This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris. Inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Hi, this is Melissa K. Norris on Pioneering Today. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking on part two on our tips for survival and preparedness for emergency situation. So I hope you caught part one. Um, If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one and you'd like to, you can go to melissaknorris.com. And on the top of the screen, there's a little button that says podcast. And if you click on podcast, then it will bring up all of the previous episodes and you can listen to those whenever you want at your convenience. So you can catch up on part one there. So um, we left off before we were talking about um, one of the things you need to be prepared is on um, medicine, having some some medicinal things um, with herbs or prescriptions, that kind of a thing. So the next thing that I kind of want to move into um, talking about emergency preparedness um, without electricity um, or, you know, they call it, um, you may have heard the term off grid. So that basically means where you're not dependent upon the power company um, or, you know, the traditional things on, on the grid, so to speak. So, you know, grocery stores, um, that kind of, you know, the mainstream if all that was cut off for whatever reason. So one of the things, um, that really helps you to be self-sufficient and on preparedness for that is going to be, um, is having your own food supply and not just food storage, but a way to replenish that food storage. So, for vegetables and fruits, that would be growing it yourself. So that would be home gardening. Um, so what I want you to think is what if the grid went down, you know, for whatever reason for, for, for months, not just weeks, but for months or for even years, like, you know, worst case scenario, um, when springtime rolled around, would you be able to replant your garden without a store? Um, for a lot of people that would be known, we're used to just going, they're used to going to the grocery store and they're purchasing their garden seed or, you know, garden supply store, wherever that may happen to be that you get your seed from. So if that wasn't available, you couldn't get to a store or if the stores just didn't have the stock, things weren't shipping, you know, everything was broken down. How would you be able to grow your own fruits and vegetables? Um, you know, if you have an orchard or fruit plants that are perennials and come back every year, of course, you just have to wait for that season to roll around, you know, your raspberry bushes, blueberry bushes, uh, you know, apple trees, plum trees, that kind of a thing. But for your vegetables, um, most of those don't come back every year unless you replant them. Um, so the answer to that is heirloom seeds. So if you have heirloom seeds, you can save the seeds and they will come back every year. Unlike hybrids, um, if you don't have a lot of information on the difference between the different kinds of seeds, um, you can go to melissacanorris.com and hit on podcasts. And we talk all about heirloom seeds and what that means. Um, so not only do you need to use, have heirloom seeds, but you need to know how to save them and you need to have a supply on hand. So if you didn't harvest and save all of your seeds this year, then you can purchase heirloom seeds now to have on hand for next year's garden and then practice saving those seeds. So, um, there's a few things that I just ran out of time and I didn't have time to save the seed myself from this year. Um, and that was our summer squash, um, cucumber the cucumbers and the zucchini. So I purchased to have on hand for next year, a packet of heirloom seeds. So that I already have that at the house. So if anything happened next spring rolls around, I would have my heirloom seed and I would be able to save it. And I know how to save it. I just didn't. So there's kind of two options there. Um, if you aren't able to save the seed, you know, time was an issue or just whatever. If you have those heirloom seeds 
on hand for next year's planting and you already know how to save the seeds, then that's kind of your safeguard. So if something happened between you know, now and then, then you would be able to replant your garden and save the seeds and be self-sufficient. Most seeds, you know, when you're purchasing or saving them up ahead of time, when they're stored, um, you know, in a dry, dark, fairly cool place, not cold, cold, you know, not so frozen, but cool. uh, Most seeds are viable for up to five years. So you can have your, you know, your seed supply. um, And I, just like I do with my, my home canned goods and the food in our, for our, in our pantry is you want to rotate your stock. So you want to use the oldest first and then put the newest behind it. So you always want to make sure that you're doing that with your seeds as well. So, um, if you're saving your own seeds, you know, write the year on the container so that you know to use that next. And then, um, you know, you want to do the same thing with your home canned goods, put the year on it that you either canned it or purchased it. And so that you make sure that you're rotating that out. Um, so either want to save your heirloom seed to keep on hand for the next planting season or order enough extra to keep on hand. So that's something that, um, that we do. Um, if you want to know more about heirloom seeds, um, and that kind of thing and seasonally, how you deal with all that, um, I have actually a 40 page free ebook and that's at melissaknorris.com. And if you click on freebies, then that will take you to the free, um, ebook and you can, we learn about them that way. And then I also um, I have a blog on my website. So every week I post new Pioneering Today articles um, and seed saving is one of the things that I talk about there. So you'll get lots of free articles that way and can you can um, learn more about that. So another thing um, in emergency type situation that we would need to know about um, is your cooking methods. So you need to, to look and think about how you would be able to cook the food that you do have on hand. Um, we have a wood stove at our house. Um, so I'm able to cook on the top of the wood stove. We, um, purchased when we put our wood stove in, we made sure that it had a cooktop on it. So there was a flat surface that we could cook on. Um, but what about baking? If you were without power for a long time, you'd want to be able to bake things and not just heat something up in a saucepan. I mean, you get kind of tired of, you know, soup or whatever. So to bake, um, I would say consider investing in a Dutch oven. So a Dutch oven, a cast iron Dutch oven, um, is, I warn you, it can be addictive though. <laughs> we love our Dutch oven at home. We actually ended up purchasing our, our first Dutch oven and then we got a couple more in, in different sizes so that we could bake and cook more than one thing at a time and bigger and larger things. So a cast iron Dutch oven, there's a couple different kinds. Um, there's one that's called a spider. And what that means is on the bottom is that it has three legs on the bottom so that you can set it down over top of coals or a heat source. And the pan is, is sitting above it, not down directly inside of it. So that's a spider Dutch oven. Or you have a regular Dutch oven that just has a regular flat bottom, like, you know, regular pot, cast iron skillet, that kind of a thing. Um, and then they have a lid. And the lids have are flat and they have a lip on them. And the reason for this is because when you cook in a Dutch oven, um, outdoor cooking, is you put coals, you put hot coals on the ground and then you put your Dutch oven on top of that and then you put the lid on and the lid is flat with a lip and then you put coals on top of that and the lip keeps the, the coals in place and keeps them from rolling, you know, rolling off and so that you can bake in it. And so anything that you bake in a regular oven, you can bake in a, in a cast iron Dutch oven. 
Um, we, I have baked rolls. I've baked biscuits. I've made pies, um, meats, of course, casseroles, you name it. I have baked it in a Dutch oven. Um, you, you kind of have to learn your time. It does usually take a little bit longer to cook in the Dutch oven than it does your regular oven time. So you have to kind of allow for that. Um, but the food tastes incredible. I swear the bread products taste better cooked in the Dutch oven than they do cooked in the regular oven. Um, that's something about cast iron too. You know, cast iron is is great. And it should also be something that you, if you're not already cooking with cast iron, then you want to make sure you have some cast iron pieces on hand. Um, because when you're cooking outdoors and on wood stoves, a cast iron is great. Um, it distributes heat evenly. And then once your cast iron is heated, it stays heated. Um, you don't get hot spots, your food doesn't burn. Um, and it can go from the stovetop and then so you can cook with your Dutch oven on the stovetop and then you can put it directly in the coals and cook that way too. Um, and it's a lot healthier. It doesn't have, you know, the Teflon, um, all that kind of stuff is not healthy for you. Those coated chemicals um, and cast iron when it's seasoned properly is nonstick. It's really a, a great versatile um, cookware. So if you are interested in more about cast iron, I have a complete post and tutorial that shows you how to season and care for your cast iron. Um, you just go to melissaknorris.com and in the search button, just type in cast iron and it'll pull up all of those articles and tutorials for you. And I also have um, Dutch oven tutorials. So if, you, if you're if you a visual learner, I tend to be one of those. And I need to see pictures <laughs> or video. So I have um, same thing. I have a Dutch oven tutorial with some of my Dutch oven recipes. Um, and so we just enjoy, um, we're big campers. I love to go camping. So if you like to go camping, um, you can get a lot of practice in using your Dutch oven and you'll be able to figure out, you know, um, I have down how many coals you put more heat on top than you do on the bottom when you're cooking with Dutch oven. So you'll put more coals on top. And so you'll just kind of, you'll get a feel and I have, um, what works for us, how many coals on top versus how many on bottom to reach certain temperatures, um, and cook that way. And then it's also great. Um, I remember, uh, last winter I had just got dinner, in the oven and the power went out. And so, you know, it had cooked for like five minutes or something like that. And so my husband just went out and he, and he grabbed, um, grabbed some coals, got them lit, got them going. And we, tra I transferred it into our cast iron Dutch oven. And then I, we just finished cooking dinner even though the power was out and we had our dinner. So it was, it was great. And they work, um, extremely well, you know, in an emergency preparedness type situation. Um, you know, and you can, um, use, um, propane type stoves um, outside um, if you don't have propane that's already um, you know wired piped in for your regular um, cook stove and that kind of a thing um, but but one of the reasons I like the Dutch oven versus that is if it's in a situation where you're going to be in an emergency for a long period of time what happens if you run out of propane or if your propane tank was almost on empty when this happened and you don't have any. So I always like to try to, you know, think of the worst case scenario and then make sure that you're covered there. Um, so I hope that gives you some thoughts on cooking methods. Um, and then another point I want to bring up is your light source. How are you going to keep your home lit? Uh, you know, if it's in the summertime, that's not a big deal. And the wintertime here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, in the, the middle of winter, it starts to get dark at 430 in the afternoon. So you definitely want to have a light source. Um, do you have flashlights on hand and do you have a good supply of batteries? That's one thing. Um, how about candles? Do you have candles on hand and do you have matches to keep them lit? 
Secondly, do you have a safe place to put them um, where they're not going to get knocked over and they're not going to catch anything on fire? Um, another option that I really, um, you know, they used it in the olden days, <laughs> a lot of things in emergency type situation being prepared is going to fall back on these things. Um, it pioneering today. So as a hurricane or oil lamp, um, they put out a lot more light than battery operated lamps and lamp oil is really easy to store. Um, you know, you can just you can store up on the shelf and it doesn't take up a ton of room. Um, it'll go a long way and it's going to last a lot longer than batteries. So, um, plus they're, they're fairly safe. You just need to put them up on a high stable service. Um, you know, in light, especially in the middle of winter, you know, if you're in a situation like that where, you know, things might be kind of scary or whatever, having a, a good light source can be a great comfort. Um, so that's something else that you want to consider. And then another, one other thing I want to bring up is information. Um, the internet is a vast source for learning things. Uh, you know, we're really actually lucky to be able to learn so much. But what if you can't access the internet? Uh, you know, the batteries on your laptop and your smartphones and all that kind of stuff in an emergency situation, they're not going to last for a very long time. So have you printed out ebooks and articles that contain survival information? Do you have hard copy books? Do you have hard copy resources? at your house that you can pull out that are going to tell you how to do some of the stuff that you might not be either you need a refresher on or you haven't done before. So that might be something that you want to consider doing. Um, we have, um, at our house, we have some Foxfire books. If you're not familiar with Foxfire books, they're really cool. They have several different editions out. Um, but they, they went and they interviewed, um, a lot of old time folks. So there's a lot of old time remedies and ways to do things, you know, um, butchering hogs, you know, cooking, um, just all vast areas of the old time way of life. They've documented and they have recipes and tutorials and they walk you through how to do it. Um, so that's one resource that we have at our house. Um, and it's something that you can look into, but it's definitely something, you know, you want to be educated on, on what to do and what to know. Um, you know, in, in those kind of situations, you know, hopefully we don't have them and, you know, with your food storage and your seeds, you know, and all this kind of stuff, um, you know, I hope that we don't have a situation, you know, emergency situation on hand, but it's stuff that we'll use even if not, you know, we'll just keep replenishing it. You know, my heirloom seed, that's all we use in our garden. So I'll just be able to use it. It's not something that's going to go to waste, um, or that kind of a thing. So that's another thing. And another thing that I want to bring up is, you know, if it was a long-term type, um, you know, emergency or, or, you know, natural disaster, whatever, um, that you want to be prepared for is some kind of entertainment. Um, you know, you're going to, there's, <laughs> you'll be having work probably, you know, to get everything um, done in a day. But when it comes down to it in the, you know, in the evening times or the downtime is, um, you know, to keep morale out is you want to have some kind of entertainment available. Um, we depend a lot as a society on television. Um, and we actually, um, we have a generator for when the power goes out. But again, that generator is dependent upon a gas supply. And so if we don't have enough gas stored at our house or we, if it's a long-term thing and we run through that gas and there isn't any gas available at gas stations, which as you know, in emergency situations, gas stations can run out of gas, you know, within 24 hours, if not sooner sometimes. So that's something, um, you know, a generator can be really great, um, but it's also something for long-term um, that you don't want to be dependent upon. So you know, do you have things that you can do um, for, you know, your kids, yourself, um, that kind of a thing without power? So, of course, books, hard copy books, reading, 
Um, if you have that kerosene or oil lamp, then you'll have a good um, light supply and you won't be straining your eyes if you're trying to read by flashlight. Um, board games. Board games can be great, especially for the whole family. So you have, you know, board games on on hand, card games, that kind of a thing. Um, what kind of hobbies do you do? Do you sew? I happen to quilt and I crochet. So do I have enough yarn on hand? Um, you know, I have a material, enough thread. Um, and that's also another thing to consider is, is learning how to sew at least men by hand. Because if we were out for a very long period of time in that kind of a situation, would you be able to mend the clothes if you needed to? You know, if you have kids that are growing fast, would you be able to let out hems? Um, or would you be able to take, you know, material and make them something if you had to to wear? Um, you know, and then again, you'd need to make sure that you had needles and thread and material on hand. So these are just kind of awesome things to consider. Um, music. Do you play a musical instrument? Could, if not, could you learn how to play one? You know, that can be something, you know, listening to music um, can be very soothing. Um, it can be a lot of fun. And I also think that, you know, in these types of scenarios that we're talking about, which are hopefully hypothetical, but I, I think you'll really see a sense of community. So get to know your neighbors, you know, the people that live close by, because in these type of situations, that's who you're going to be relying on to a certain degree. And those are the people that you're going to be able to go visiting. Um, if, you know, if there is no gas plane, you're not going to be able to drive and, you know, and go visit that kind of a thing, then you're going to be, you're going to be stuck with the people who are close to you. So hopefully you know them and you have a good relationship with them or you can get to know them. Um, so, that, you know, those are some things to, to consider and think about, um, you know, so if you're out and about and you don't have board games, uh, you know, a lot of times now we depend upon, um, you know, oh goodness, Nintendo, Wii's, Xboxes, whatever the next greatest, biggest electronic thing is, um, you know, like I said, television, but if that was all taken away, do you have items at your house that you can use that don't require electricity than are electronics? So, um, you know, you could even implement family game night now and kind of get in the habit of, of that, making sure you have stuff on hand. So I hope that, um, that this has made, give you some thoughts on some areas, um, that you can improve upon for your family, um, to keep safe and these kind of things. And just to kind of consider and look around, you know, and make sure that you, that you are prepared. Um, you know, and as far as, um, with the, food items um we did talk about in part one which was on food storage and items to have on hand and that's going to be um knowing how to cook those items which might seem kind of funny but if if you've stocked up just a whole bunch of rice and dried beans are you going to be able to come up with enough um recipes and that kind of a thing to keep them appetizing and appealing um so that's something that you're going to want to think about is having some recipes on hand um and it's going to be your, you know, your traditional cooking, which is something I'm a huge advocate on is getting rid of processed foods, um, in your house and learning how to cook from those traditional unprocessed ingredients. And we talked about, um, having herbs as, um, as as medicinal, but also herbs really give great flavor. It can really enhance dishes, um, without adding, you know, anything just natural, you know, basil, um, fresh and dried. So, um, that would be something else that you would want to consider. Um, and then on mostcanorous.com, I'm going to be having more articles and recipes um, that will be going over this. So I hope you check that out and use those free resources. And I want to thank you for listening in. I hope um, that you come back for our next episode. We're going to be talking about ways to keep GMO foods out of your kitchen and your home and your body. So 
Thank you for joining. This is Melissa K. Norris with Pioneering Today on KSVU 90.1.